Welcome to the AI Chat Podcast. I'm your host, Jaden Schaefer. Today on the podcast, we have the pleasure of being joined with Avi Gesser, who is the co-chair of the Data Strategy and Security Group at the international law firm of Debevoise and Plimpton. His practice focuses on advising major companies on a wide range of cybersecurity, privacy, and artificial intelligence matters. And he has represented global financial service firms, private equity firms, insurance companies, hedge funds, tech companies, and media organizations on navigating the legal risks associated with the adoption of artificial intelligence. We are super excited to have you on the show today. Welcome, Avi. Hey, thanks for having me. Big fan of the podcast, so it's great to be here. Okay, well, what I really wanted to, we're thrilled to have you on, what I really want to kick this off um, and ask you a little bit about is your background and your journey. You know, right now you're obviously advising a a lot of different uh, organizations and companies on what's happening in AI today. Was this an area of law that you kind of always knew you wanted to go into? Uh, tell us a little bit about your journey, what brought you here today. Uh, so uh, I, I have a science background. Um, and so I've always been doing sort of tech related issues in law. And um, about 10 years ago, um, when I uh, returned to private practice after working in the Department of Justice, I uh, thought that cyber was going to be a big issue for our clients and focused a lot on cybersecurity. And through that, we started to see maybe about five years ago that there was a lot of cyber risk associated with AI adoption. And that um, we thought that, you know, focusing on AI as a cyber issue was going to be really important. And then as we got into that, we realized cyber is a one aspect of AI risk, but there's a lot of other aspects of AI risk and privacy and uh, bias and um, you know quality control and other things. And so we just branched out from cyber into AI, and now AI has become a, a very important part of our practice. We also have a cyber and privacy practice, and we think those three go together, and that's our what we call our data strategy and security practices pulls all three of them together for a sort of overall data management type practice. Yeah. And I think that's very smart of you, obviously. Um, So critical today to really, I think, put those together. Um, The privacy aspect, the security aspect, all of this is super important and critical in what's happening in AI, Um, or else you're going to end up on the wrong side of the regulators and everything uh, in that regard. And speaking of which, you know, we recently had um, all of this kind of news come out uh, in regards to an AI executive order that came out from the White House. Um, I'm wondering if you've had time to kind of look at what's going on with this executive order. If you could give everyone kind of an overview of, um, I guess, some of your key takeaways from this executive order. Sure. And it, it has been really interesting. I, I spent a lot of time yesterday pouring through it. And I think it shows a very thoughtful, very measured, um, quite sophisticated approach by the Biden administration, I've said I was very impressed with the order. It, I think, recognizes that there's an enormous potential uh, for use of AI and that there are a, a ton of opportunities for for a lot of benefits for the federal government, for the private sector, for individuals, but that, you know, harnessing responsibly uh, the use of AI is going to take a lot of work. And that the federal government can lead in that by first as a as a user of AI uh, setting standards, and um, and that each 
agency within the federal government has responsibility to provide guidance for the entities that it regulates because it's those particular agencies are going to be best suited to figure out what particular risks are posed by the adoption of AI in that sector. And so I think it's a very smart thing to recognize that, you know, the risks for mortgages is very different than the risks for pharma, which is very different than the risks for consumer lending, which is going to be very different for the entertainment industry. And that, um, and that you're going to need, I, I know everyone wants to have a, uh, very sort of comprehensive AI regulation like the EUA because it's simple to do that. If mm-hmm. AI isn't like cyber, um, you know, cyber is pretty much the same for everybody, right? Like AI is extremely context specific. And so it depends on the industry. It depends on the use case. And so to get this right, unfortunately, you're going to have sort of piecemeal regulation that's going to go and identify the risks that are really specific to that industry, to that use case. And that, and this recognizes it. And But it also, I think, does a very good job of, for the foundational models, for the, 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 one of the biggest risks that people are concerned about is, you know, just the risk that these models are going to be misused. It does, I think, start with a very practical approach, which is the foundation model providers and developers need to be disclosing their, um, you know, red team testing their vulnerabilities. And then based on that, then the federal government may decide to do something else and may have a licensing regime or may limit the distribution of certain models and so forth. But it starts with, um, I think, a very important premise that these, this is inevitable. AI is not going away. And there's a lot of upside, but we really need to be quite careful about um, how we're using it. And and this is going to be a, a partnership between the private sector and the public sector. Yeah, no. And I think you're, I think you're spot on. Something you said was struck me as interesting um, about, you know, it kind of being in the right direction. I like, I like naturally I'm a little bit pessimistic of all kind of like regulation from the government in relation to AI. And maybe that's just because what I work on and where I sit and stuff. But I was actually pleasantly surprised, honestly, by this executive order um, and some of the things that were in there. And I felt like there was really kind of a lot of this was really moving us in the right direction. Something I would love to ask you about, because I know it has gotten a little bit of criticism um, for in some regards for this. So I'd love to get your take on it. You know, some people have said the executive order essentially is a little bit too much what feels like you know, best practices or guidelines and not really like clamping down or setting like firm, hard rules. Um, you know, like we see countries like China that have like, you know, set essentially like hard rules on what data can go into an AI model to be trained with and that kind of stuff. Where where do you kind of see it playing out there? Do you think they're taking the right approach in this regard? I'm, I'm sure there's like arguments on both sides of this. I'd love to hear your take. Yeah, I think it's too early to tell. I mean, we'll see the, the you know, a bunch of federal agencies are now required within a relatively short period of time to come up with guidance for their particular sector. And some of those agencies may provide quite strict rules. Um, And um, but it makes sense to the extent that there are rules that they're not necessarily applying to everyone because not 
everyone has the same concerns, right? So like, for example, if you're, what you're really concerned about is, is bias in the use of AI because your training sets may not be representative and so forth. Well, that may be something too that you really need to be worried about in consumer lending or insurance or hiring, but it may not be something you really need to worry about um, in certain other areas where, where, you know, sort of AI for cybersecurity or, or, or other use cases where that's not really a concern. And so I think, um, the, the approach of, of dividing AI into sort of pieces and, and trying to tackle the problems, you know, at a, at a sector specific level, I think is, is going to give you prescriptive and 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 clear rules where they're needed but not necessarily where they're not needed that's that's the hope so but i think it's a little too early to tell okay yeah no that that makes sense um something that i've also heard talked a lot about and i would just i'd love to get your perspective on from basically what you're seeing there's some language in this executive order that seems to kind of address the the type of ai model and some people are talking about you know the differences between how this relates to what's, you know, a foundational model or something by OpenAI or Microsoft or Google versus a kind of a smaller AI company. Based off of what you're seeing, how does this executive order um, apply? Or is it different? Are there kind of different segments for bigger versus smaller companies? Or does this apply to pretty much all AI companies across the board in the same way? So the actual, I mean, I've looked at the actual executive order, which just was released sort of late in the day yesterday. It has very specific definitions for which models um you know, get covered. I think it's got like a 10 billion parameter threshold and there's some other thresholds, but it's, it's very specific as to which models are covered in the sort of definition of dual use models that, that, that the world's applied. Okay. And what do you think, let's say over the next year, what do you think the biggest implications or shifts that we'll see in the AI landscape, um, you know, maybe self-regulating or maybe, uh, enforced, what do you think the biggest changes will be because of this executive order and kind of this direction? So I think what what we're going to see in the private sector is a recognition that regulation in some form is coming. That, um, And even if it's not coming, that the regulators are going to take their existing toolkit and start applying it to AI. And so they don't necessarily need new rules for, you know, if you're using AI in a way that's deceptive, right? So there's lots of ways to combat fraud. And there's already lots of privacy laws and lots of cybersecurity laws and lots of laws about anti-discrimination, right? So in some places, there'll be regulation to fill the gaps, but there's already, you know, quite significant regulation that could be applied to AI. And I think people recognize that that's coming. And so I think you're going to see companies in preparation for that really sort of building out their own AI governance and compliance in some ways in a self-regulatory way, like just not necessarily waiting for exact guidance because that's going to be a long process. It's going to take some time. And I think if you're adopting AI now, it's, probably easier to start building the governance and adopting and sort of iterating and getting better than sort of adopting AI, waiting for the guidance from the regulators, then trying to 
create the governance on top of something that's already you know in flight um mm -hmm. and and it may take you know more time than the regulators give you to come into compliance um you know again like ai isn't like cyber in the sense that like for cyber for governance right you'll have like a chief information security officer and your tech company you know, the you, the tech group inside the company like has a natural place where a lot of that sits ai is it's everywhere. It's all throughout the organization. It's in customer service. It's in HR. It's in the business, legal, compliance, risk. Everyone's got a role. So building out a real compliance structure and governance around it is is like a real change management issue. And so it's going to take time. And I think companies are going to want to start doing that, you know, soon. Okay. Yeah. I think I really think it's something that if if companies aren't already thinking about it, they really got to get started. I think this executive order was kind of like the 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 flag in the ground that says, okay, like if, if you're not already there, like get on it because this is obviously very important and applicable to the industry. You know, you've been consulting um, and working in kind of this legal space for a while here. Something I'd love to ask you about is, you know, what are some of the biggest challenges you face in or, or your clients are facing right now in this whole AI space and the regulation and, and the, the legal aspect of everything going on here? I, th I think one of the hardest things that um, companies are facing is separating high value, low risk use cases from low value, high risk use cases. And, and it sounds easy to do. It's really hard to do, partly because there's so many risks that it's hard to assess. You know, I've listed a bunch of them, right? So there's privacy, there's bias, there's explainability, there's transparency, there's, you know, IP risks. But, you know, not every use case has got all those risks. And so to be able to say, okay, for this particular use case, the risk we're really focused on is bias or cyber or whatever it is. And then we've got the right person in the organization who's going to say, okay, you know, considering the upside, that risk is acceptable or it's not acceptable. And here's how we're going to mitigate that risk. Like that's a, just a hard thing to do. And I think a lot of companies you know, have all sorts of really good ideas and will spend, you know, a fair bit of time trying to develop them and then realize somewhere down the road that they've got some roadblock that really doesn't make it worthwhile from a, from an operational point of view, from a legal point of view, from a reputational risk point of view, whatever it is. And, and then they feel like they, you know, wasted a lot of time. Um, or it just, the, the generative AI just didn't provide them the value that they thought it would, or, or the error rate made it really hard to to operationalize, um, or the uncertainty of the model. And so, um, you know, being able to fail fast and like figure out which use cases aren't worth pursuing—that's, I think, a, a very tough challenge. And the solution, I think, is to have like a committee that's just becomes really good at valuing, evaluating use cases and figuring out which ones are worth spending time on out of which aren't. Uh, there's no substitute for just like rolling up your sleeves and just looking at use cases. And the more you look at them, the better you get at identifying the risk. Yeah. I think that's so critical. That's, that's some incredible advice. Um, Listen, as we wrap up the podcast today, the, the last thing I would love to ask you about is 
Um, what is one piece of advice you feel like you could give to companies today that are looking at implementing these AI features, looking at doing, uh, you know, doing stuff? I know, you know, you just gave your your advice on looking at what the the most low risk, high reward um, things are and, and, you know, seeing the difference there. What's what's perhaps another piece of advice you feel like you could give companies today that you think is important for them to so I, this is just my own experience. I, I think if you're doing something pretty good, pretty well already, then I wouldn't necessarily be looking to have generative AI, AI do it for you a little bit quicker, right? Mm. Like I would be looking for things that you're not doing because it's just too hard. It's it's going to require too much time and and the generative AI would be able to do something either a hundred times faster than you could do it just because it's such a huge volume set or it's just something we'd never do. I, we, we, we are seeing people saying, well, you know, we think the generative AI could do this quicker and, mm-hmm. and, and maybe it can, but it often comes at a cost and the cost may be a quality control issue. It may be a loss of skills issue. It may just be like workplace disruption issue, you know, um, loss of job stuff, which can create all sorts of turmoil within your organization. And I think it's a lot easier for to find and to get people really excited about use cases where we say, hey, look, this is something we wish we we always wished we could do. We were never able to do it because it would take just too much work. And now all of a sudden we have the opportunity to do it. I think it's a lot easier for people to get behind those kinds of use cases. I love it. That is some incredible advice. I think that's super applicable. Thank you so much for coming on the AI Chat Podcast today, sharing your insights, sharing what you're seeing in the industry. Um, I will leave links in the description to your firm if people want to get in contact with you and and find out more about what you guys are working on. Um, and to the listener, thank you so much for tuning in to the AI Chat Podcast. Make sure to rate us wherever you get your podcasts and have a fantastic rest of your day.